This principle of success is called the Mastermind Principle. The, 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 the Mastermind Your Life Podcast. Podcast. If you're wanting to realize your ideas, goals, and dreams, and on the journey of masterminding your life, it's time for the podcast made just for you. This is the Mastermind Your Life Podcast. With Tolu Owoyemi. Owoyemi. Hey, 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 what's going on, Masterminders? Welcome to another episode of Mastermind Your Life. We got Mernice Oliver in the house. She's a 27-year talent in leadership development. She helps high-achieving women, executives, and entrepreneurs open, scaling, and thriving insurance agencies. Look, she's a certified woman-owner business. She's a sought-after keynote speaker and a crusader for developing women leaders. Mernice, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. That was wonderful introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that one, but anyway, <laughs> wonderful introduction. <laughs> now, we thank you because, you know, that's years and decades of experience and, you know, overcoming and learning and discipline and dedication and commitment so you you know we're here to learn and to grow from the wisdom that you've accumulated and you know really have an exciting and interesting conversation yeah well I'm excited (laughs) awesome awesome so tell us about your, your journey into business first of all did you graduate from college and say you know what maybe your parents were entrepreneurs or somebody around you were entrepreneurs tell us about that (laughs) well it's kind of funny that you would ask that um no my parents were not entrepreneurs um i'm from south georgia um so it's my southern accent i have a southern accent and i'm okay with it um (laughs) but uh, my parents were young parents they were teenage parents and so i was primarily raised by my maternal and my paternal grandparents now my paternal grandfather, his name was Henry. I thought the sun rose and set on my grandfather, who was an entrepreneur. Um, my grandfather owned liquor stores. He owned what we call juke joints. He owned <laughs> restaurants. He owned, uh, he had a candy company at one time called Henry's Confectioners. And so all of what I knew about entrepreneurship and business ownership, my grandfather taught me. Um, I remember Can I ask you a quick question? Helping, oh, sure. Go ahead. What, what, do you, what do you think drove him to open up the, the confectionery and the jug and the liquor store? Did you notice anything that maybe you identified that made him have that drive? Yes. My grandfather was a sharecropper. He was a son of slaves, and he grew up very poor. And I remember very succinctly him telling me, you're never going to be wealthy working for someone else and so his drive and his motivation he preached to us was about legacy and leaving something behind for my 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 main name was glover and so for the glovers that came behind us because he said we don't even know who we are he didn't know his real last name wow and he said um so i am going it is my responsibility to teach Um, a legacy about leaving a legacy for generations to come so that was his primary motivation was leaving and excuse me building wealth but not just building it leaving it behind for me and for my son who was his great-grandchildren you know after that yeah incredible um did he do a good job or did he somehow I think he did. He tried. Now, you have to understand, my grandfather had a sixth grade education. So let me say that. Um, My grandfather taught himself how to read and write, um, but he had a great analytical mind. He could do math Mm. like a genius. (laughs) I didn't get that skill set from him, but he taught me. I was already writing checks and learning how to manage inventory at five years old. Um, I was running a register, a cash register, which we probably, we, I know is illegal now, but I didn't think it was illegal back then, in the liquor store, and I was six years old. He had me standing on a Coke box. There were these wooden Coke boxes, and I stood on the Coke box, and I ran the cash register. So I knew how to count money then from my grandfather. I knew how to balance ledgers and do inventory from my grandfather. And he only had a sixth grade education. No, I love it. Yeah. Um, so t- because that's so rich to have that experience, yeah. you know, 
that uh, forage into that voyage into the business world. So talk is like it's in your DNA. You are it at the, at, at that point. But talk about kind of like growing up. So five, you're already you know handling the cash register. You're dealing with a lot of people coming mm-hmm. in. So you probably have one of the like most quite interesting journeys. <laughs> Um, So talk about kind of like the the years uh, that followed that and maybe some of your business ventures or how your mind kind of like expounded and and, and grew. Well, he was the primary driving source behind anything that I did to up level my life. And so I would say um, he taught me how to deal with different levels of people, all different types of people. And one thing he would always say, and he taught me this very clearly, I remember him saying, if you want something, you ask for it. I don't care if you believe you're qualified for it or not. And so Mm. I take that with me even now when I'm, you know, going after contracts, multi-million dollar contracts or multi, you know, working for corporate companies and doing those types of things, I ask for it. I don't believe that anyone else in the room, there's nobody else's water who is colder than mine my grandfather said it wasn't his water's not not colder than yours it's just that he knows how to ask for the cold water and so that's what i learned Mm. ask for what i want he taught me how to be brave what i what i knew about being brave i got from him you know and not doesn't mean that i don't have fears i do and i i make you know hiccups and i screw up just like anyone else i've had a lot of mountains and i've had a lot of lows but he taught me there was always a way to manage and work your way through problems So he taught me those things. You don't have to just lay down because you make a mistake. And he did. He made a lot of mistakes, but he learned from those things. And he what I think his biggest legacy had nothing to do with wealth, the wealth or money, monetary wealth. It really had to do with what he gave me inside of my mind and in my heart and in my spirit. Because I take that and I pass that on to my son and prayerfully my grandchildren, I'll be able to pass that on to them as well. You can be and do anything you want. And he taught me that. Incredible. Okay. So, you know, you're having this abundance of, you know, rich spirit, heart, you know, mental uh, fortitude and, you know, strategies and techniques. Uh, and at an early age, talk about maybe like the teens or the young adult, kind of like what were some business ventures or uh, maybe you even took a break from business. <laughs> talk about that. That's funny. Yeah. So even as a child, because he told me to be a business owner, I just wanted to please him. So I, let me say this. I wasn't really sure that was what I wanted to do, but I knew it made him happy. So anytime that I could get praise from him, you have to understand, you know, a woman's identity really comes from the males in their family. I don't know of anyone. That's kind of the law of a law of the universe. It really does. And so my identity came from him and telling me who I was and saying that he loved me and telling me, you know, I could do and be anything. So I sold T-shirts, every kind of entrepreneurial opportunity I look for. <laughs> I did wake um, up. Yeah. I learned how to do nails. This is college. You know, didn't have a license. I'm doing nails, charging people. Like, because I always <laughs> just kind of had this entrepreneurial mindset. I'm going to start a business. And I would try to start a business and do mm. it. That's just who I was. Um, I remember in college, you know, walking around with, you know, he taught me, you know, if you want to be something, or my grandmother, then you dress the part. Go ahead and dress the part. So I would show up in class with a business suit on and a briefcase. Like, <laughs> I knew who I was. Um, walking across campus with my briefcase and my suit on because I, in my mind, I was already operating as a businesswoman because that's what he told me I needed mm. to be. Now, moving forward, going into corporate America is where I really kind of lost the vision. Corporate America changes mm. you. Um, for whatever reason, I kind of forgot who I was in corporate America. And I really became uh-huh. a follower and I assimilated um, because they told me this is what I needed to do and be in order to be successful in this arena. And I wanted to meet the challenge because I've always been this overachiever and that was kind of what I did. So I kind of became this, I call gray person, a beige person um, because I really didn't have an identity. I just 
assumed the identity of who corporate America told me I was. Mm-hmm. And that was 15 years in before I realized I am miserable. I'm miserable. Incredible. And I've got to make a change. Something has to happen or I'm not going to survive. And I knew that. Um, by then, I'd lost my grandfather. He died at 93. He was 93 years old. So he died when he was 93. Wow. But that was the year I decided something has to change. He died Christmas. And I quit my job in February of that following year. Because I knew I had to follow a different path. Something has to change. Talk, talk and, about that. Because, you know, some people slumber or you know they kind of go with the flow or they kind of drowsily you know get swept into the rhythm of corporate America and hey you know I'm just getting this paycheck and you know I'm just alright show up kids what made you kind of hit the stop button and say you know what Bernice this is a no go because a lot of people they say they they have some of the thought, but they're like, ah, oh, you know what, all that risk, and you know, the, I'm just going to stick with what I know here. Yeah, I think it's because I've always been a unicorn, so I've always not mm. fit. I've always been that individual who, ah, uh, she's kind of fitting and she's kind of not, because I was always oh. different. I always thought differently. Um, and I commanded, again, remember, based on what my grandfather taught me, I asked for what I wanted. And so I wasn't afraid to speak up. And you, you'll find in corporate America, that's not always viewed as a positive thing, particularly coming from a woman of color. Um, we ain't supposed to speak up and ask for nothing. And we're certainly not supposed to demand, you know, respect for who we are and what we bring to the table. And I was constantly running into walls. So let me say that. Because I wanted more, I wanted, I knew I was bigger, I knew I was better than what they wanted me to be, what this box that they wanted to fit me in, I knew I was a triangle. (laughs) And they were trying to fit me in a square, and it just didn't fit. And so I was always having these challenges, and so there are certain turning points in my career, but one very specifically one that I remember was my manager, um... I, he'd gone out on a sick leave. He was out for about six months in, for can, being treated for cancer, as a matter of fact. And I worked his desk. I was assigned to work his desk, meaning that I you know, had the authority. I stroked the pen. I did it all. Well, when he came back, there was an opportunity to become an assistant manager underneath him. And I went in this morning. I had this big old smile on my face because I just knew that this was my job, right? And... He very plainly told me, you're not ready. You're not qualified. (laughs) That was the look. (laughs) That was the look. That was the look. And I said, what? He said, you're not ready. You're not qualified. You don't have enough experience. But I've been doing this at that point. I had been doing it about 14 years. Um, I've taken every leadership development course y'all have offered. I have volunteered to lead teams. I've done this. I worked on this project. I worked your desk for six months. He said, you're not qualified. And I, and I, the way corporate America was working at that point, you had to have your manager to give you a referral, meaning um, a reference before they would allow you to even apply. So in other words, I had to kind of get his permission to apply for the job. And he's telling me he was not going to give me permission. Clearly. Let me ask a question. Do you think was was this a white man? Oh, of course. He was a, he was a white man. Yeah, he was a white man. No, okay. he was not racist. Of- he, I don't, it wasn't racism. Let me say that. It was more okay. um, sexism. He wanted to promote his Ooh. buddy. It was more nepotism. He wanted his buddy, who was another gotcha. white counterpart male, to promote to the position. It wasn't that he was mm. racist or anything like that. So I didn't take it that way. I knew what he was saying to be true. He was not going to promote me because I was woman. I was not the right color, but mostly it was because I was a woman and because I just I didn't fit the bill because he wanted his friend who he wanted to promote. And ultimately he did. He promoted his buddy to becoming the manager. And that was and nobody in the office was like, hey, that's kind of. Nope. Well, hey, Greg, that's kind of weird. People brought it up, but who, what are they going to say? Ah, interesting. And who are they going to say it to that it matters? 
I was broken, to be honest. That was a really um, spiritually, I, I was very spiritually broken in that moment. Because up until that moment, I had every confidence that he supported me and that he was going to do the right thing. And in an instant, he broke it. For him to say I wasn't qualified, even if he is, as you know what, Mernice, I got you know, Joe Blow over here and I kind of promised him I would support him. I would have felt better. But for him to use the words that I was not qualified, to say that to someone who has been a consummate overachiever their entire life, and you say I'm not qualified, that does something to you. Incredible. And talk about from that point when he, hey, Mernice, you're just not qualified. What kind of thoughts uh, arose in your head? And then talk about the actions that you took as a result of that moment. Well, quite frankly, the first thing I did is I cried all the way home. I left work and I cried the entire way home. I just cried. And I really began to assess my entire life, my career at that point. Where are you now? And are you going to get where you desire to be? where you're sitting and I realized I wasn't but then I had to ask myself a second question are you willing to do what it takes to get to that next step and I knew I wasn't I didn't I didn't have an interest in playing the game anymore I just didn't I didn't want to jump through the hoops I didn't I yeah I didn't want to go through all of their qualifying you know, steps on the ladder. I just didn't want to do that anymore. So then I said to myself, mm. since you know that, what are you going to do? And quite frankly, I had no idea. I didn't have any clue. I didn't have a clue. But I knew it wasn't there, that I wasn't going to find out there. Um, but I believe the universe sends you what you need when you need it. Because I have that faith, and um, I, I, I really sought out the universe for direction and I had a mentor at the time who had been saying I really think you need to be an agent you need to go out into agency ownership sorry I don't want this phone to ring um, into agency ownership up until that point I never thought it was a possibility for me to be honest Wow. Um, because I, I didn't have the financial resources to really open an agency or I thought that but let me say this you can make anything happen that you desire <laughs> and have no money. That's right. And I figured that out very quickly. Um, so I said, well, what the heck? If he thinks I can do it, I'm going to try. So I applied for an agency opportunity with three companies, my company that I was working with and two other companies. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is I was given an opportunity um, with the three outside company, I'm sorry, two outside companies and my company did not offer me an opportunity. So the company where the manager mm -hmm. that told you that you're not qualified, you applied for an insurance kind of start my broker agency. Correct. They said no, but the outside parties were like, hey, go Come ahead. On. Let's start. Well, they didn't say no. Incredible. They put you in this thing called a pool. It was called a waiting pool. So really, I was just kind of in limbo. Like they took my information. Mm. Yeah, you you know, yeah, we'll, we'll look at you at some point. Um, but I was just kind of sitting. And I was ready for a move. And so the other two companies reached out and they said, hey, we'll take you today. If you come, we'll take you today. Um, in hindsight, I should have done a little more preparing for that. Mm -hmm. And that comes to my next life lesson. You can't always be led by emotions. Okay. It really what, has what do you mean, to be. Can you break that down a little bit more? Yeah. I was emotionally hurt. You see what I'm saying? Because of what my manager had said. I wasn't qualified. I, I wasn't there. So at this point, it was kind of this love-hate relationship I had with this company. Um, because I love the company. They had taught me a lot about leadership and how to build myself and all of these things, how to position myself professionally. So I knew all of those things, but I was hurt. <clears throat> I probably should have spent a little more time preparing myself on the ground level of what it meant to really branch out into entrepreneurship. Because entrepreneurship is a lot more easier if you are prepared. If you're trying to do an OJT on the job training, 
you are really setting yourself up for a really difficult time. And that's what happened. If you could go back in time, what would be the exact steps or uh, maybe strategies or people you would talk to or things you would implement differently? Great question. First of all, I would have probably built better relationships with individuals who were already doing what I desired to do. Um, such as um, I would have aligned myself. And here's the thing. God has always blessed me with this innate ability to connect with other people, right? And build relationships really quickly. And so I should have already found me a mentor or someone that could have been my accountability partner, mentor me in what they were already doing so that I could have kind of gotten the, the behind the scenes really true information rather than, you know, kind of paying attention to that whole esoteric stuff that they give you in the beginning. That's not really true, which is why I wrote a book, what I wish that I knew on the other side of agency ownership. So these are some of the things I wish I knew. I wish they had told me, you still got to have some money, chick. You got to have some. You can't just come in <laughs> without money. Okay, that's what they told. They try to paint a picture like, all you got to do is just roll out of bed, press start, and you're going to start making money. Come in, put your shingle up. Do a little bit of work, you know, call your friends and family and start working. Yeah, that's not, no, that's not how that goes. No. And I wish someone had told me that. So in hindsight, I wish I had maybe spent some time, maybe taking a, a course in entrepreneurship. Because at that point, what I knew about entrepreneurship was really what I gleaned and learned from my, my um, grandfather, what I'd learned from running all these other little side businesses on the side, side hustles so to speak, but true entrepreneurship training, I, I never had. I didn't have at that point. Incredible. I didn't really get that until later when I decided, okay, chick, you got to figure something out quick because you've at this point, I'd invested almost $100,000 into an agency that was going under, okay? <laughs> it was going wow. under. Because when I opened my agency, I did it in 2006, 2007, that was right at the height of the mortgage bus. You may remember that, you may not. But everything that I knew, the individuals who I had built relationships with, such as realtors and mortgage professionals, they were out of business. Wow. They weren't selling homes. Incredible. So where is my business? It's going to shut down. It's going to shutter as well. So I really struggled in those first two years of agency ownership, really trying to navigate. I didn't really have a, a great business model or structure. There were no foundational principles. I was just kind of throwing stuff on the wall. Let's see what sticks. Incredible. Um, and that makes sense because it seems like a lot of people, when they first start their entrepreneurial journey or, you know, that maybe they start the insurance agency, they're just throwing stuff at the wall, trying to see what sticks, mm -hmm. um, instead of maybe following a, um, a blueprint or having that mentor that, you know, uh, gives them a, 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 a soundboard or, Hey, let me point you in a direction that I know is going to lead to success. So talk about how you were able to uh, take the agency from, hey, I've invested 100K, this does not look good, to then, you know, turning the tables or, you know, flipping the cards to being your favorite towards success. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I've always been one to learn from mistakes. I've never been afraid to make mistakes. They hurt. Mm -hmm. They can be very devastating. But I, I've always been one that can go back and reassess and evaluate, oh, that was a mistake. Okay, so what can you learn from this? Um, and I remember very specifically one afternoon, I was watching Oprah, Auntie Oprah is what I called her. And she was saying, <laughs> if you can have a, a virtual mentor, I had never heard that concept mm. before. And so she, I don't even know what she was talking about on this particular show, but she said, you know, if there is someone that has already reached the level of success that you desire for yourself, you can watch them and emulate what they're doing. They, and never having met them. I never met Oprah, but I emulate what she does, right? Um, mm. And so I started gathering these virtual mentors. 
There was a woman who was an agent at the time. She was the first female agent of this company in the state of Georgia. Now, she was a Caucasian woman. And at this point, I didn't realize it. I reached out to her and really wanted her to be my mentor, but I could tell she had no interest in fooling with me. She just didn't. And I think a little bit was intimidation. You know, you kind of intimidate. Who is this young chick? What, <laughs> you know, African black girl yeah, coming and yeah. asking me for help? What is she trying to do? My intentions were very pure, but I don't think she saw that at that time. So what I decided hey, I would do. Do you, if you could go back, do you think now that you have more experience, knowledge, and wisdom, understanding? Mm-hmm. Let's say you still wanted to have her as a mentor back then. If you could go back in time, mm-hmm. how would you have changed your approach? Yeah, I don't think I would because we are friends now. Mm-hmm. And she did later become my oh. mentor. But in the beginning, wow. but let me tell you how I, how I did it. I started insinuating my way into her life. So if I saw that she was going to be at a networking event, I showed up too. And I had a drink with her. <laughs> and I talked to her. If I saw that she oh was going to have a booth at whatever the chamber, I showed up. I showed up to her booth. I offered to help. You want me to help you pass out some flyers? What do you need? Can I get you some water? Incredible. So that was what I did. Because I knew she had the key. She she was the first woman to ever be an agent for this company in the state of Georgia. So I knew she yeah. had some best practices that I could learn. And really, it was just more in conversation. I started inviting her to lunch. Hey, can we grab lunch? You want us to grab coffee? At first, she didn't want to have lunch with me. She would always say, "No, let's just meet. Let's just meet and have coffee." Okay, great. Can I come to your office? I didn't want to. I didn't want to meet her at Starbucks. I wanted to hear and see the. I wanted to observe what the operation looked like. Incredible. And that was how I learned. I didn't steal her ideas. I just learned her process. So if she positioned herself as a leader, I positioned myself as a leader because that's what she was doing. That's how I began what, to start seeing things turn around. What did you notice from her that you believed allowed her to be as successful as she was? Relationships. She was magic when it came to relationships. And I believe she still is. Magic. And what I mean by that, she made people feel like they were the most important thing in that moment. She had a way of honing in on you, locking eyes with you, and making you believe that she felt your pain. She connected with you, and people loved her. She's had this magic. I wanted it too. I didn't know I had it. (laughs) I had it. I didn't know that, but I wanted it. So I followed her. Once she realized I wasn't a threat, that I desired nothing more than her time and her leadership, we became friends. But it took a while for her to really trust me and to get, and I get it, I get it. She grew up in Decatur. I get it, you know, South over in Atlanta, and I get it. She just hadn't, and she never had anyone. She told me, I never had anyone like you approach me and say, I want you to be my mentor. She didn't have that. Incredible. Yeah, but yeah, I'm uh, very grateful for her though. I'll say that. I'm very grateful for her. In your book, you know, what I wish I knew on the other side of agency ownership, mm-hmm. uh, lessons in life and business for uh, those in, you know, mm-hmm. the insurance. Lesson number seven is building a purpose driven team. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is that and when when you say purpose driven team is it that everybody's on the same you know kind of uh, explain to us maybe your thoughts or like what that means to you when you uh, say a purpose driven team yeah when i say a purpose driven team i mean um that team must be in alignment with the core values of the organization i don't care what organization it is, what type of business it is, if there are individuals who are out of alignment with the core values of what the organization stands for, then that organization is not going to reach the level of success that they desire, no matter what. Everybody has to believe 
and aspire to the same core values. And, but I also believe, first of all, you got to identify what those core values are for yourself. So that's a biggie for me. I had to figure out what my own core values were. You know, it was something that I hadn't heard of, you know, prior. I'm sure someone had said it to me, but it really didn't come into my consciousness until my second opportunity when I opened my second agency. Because by then, I kind of figured out, you know, some certain principles on how to be successful. And one of them was I knew that anyone that I brought on my team, they had to be in alignment with who I was and how I wanted to serve my community. Incredible. Uh, if we times two less than seven is God first and lesson 14. And I've heard you mention, you know, something about God here and there. Talk about the importance of God in, in your life and your relationship and when it comes to business and maybe even what God means to you. Yeah. Overall. Wow. I've never been asked that on a podcast before. What I mean by God first is I, for some, I really believe oftentimes we see God as this big elusive thing that we can't touch, see, or feel, or smell. And so there, it's really kind of out of our reach to tap into that energy and in that source. But I believe that God is in everything that we do. He's in you. He's in me. We're all made up of all of these particles of energy. And so we have to become in alignment with source, with God. Um, in everything that we do. I talked about him about this podcast. You know, I really sought, is this the right energy? Is this the right platform for who I desire to be? Is it in alignment with who I am at my core? So for me, when I'm talking about it in the book, <clears throat> it was being in alignment with my authentic self and knowing what I stand for and what's important to me and my higher self and being in alignment with that, no matter what. Because once I got off track is where I saw the bumps in the road, where I saw the failures. Mm. When I tried to adhere and become someone and something that I was not, that is where the challenges came. And so putting God first and what God means to me is about really tapping into that unlimited source that I can have and be and do anything that I desire in this universe. But I've got to tap into who I am authentically first, and then secondly, be in alignment with that energy of whatever it is I'm asking for. I have to be in alignment with that. Incredible. Uh, girlfriends are essential to the soul. They are. Uh, when you... <laughs> When you say uh, girlfriends, maybe people that are fellow business owners that maybe you know you can spend time with. Talk about are you talking about friendships, you know, relationships, mm -hmm. uh, and how are they essential to this? Yeah, um, and no, I'm not always talking about someone in business. I am talking about you. Really need that person that you can go to and just be you. Mm -hmm. There is no judgment. There is only love and acceptance. That person doesn't have to look like you. They don't have to come from your souls, your same social economic background. But it they have to be those people, what I call your community, that get you. They just get you. So I don't have to be Coach Mo, right? I don't have to come in and put on my Maybelline and be somebody else. I can just be Mernice. And that is why I wrote in the book, Girlfriends Are So Essential to the Soul, because I know without a fact, I wouldn't have survived without my girlfriends. I know that, wow. period. So I have a girlfriend who's an engineer. She thinks very analytically. Without me being able to call her and help, and her help me to think through challenges, she's not emotional. I'm a very emotional being. So I need her to balance me out. She's the first person I call when there's a financial decision I need to make besides my husband. Because I know analytically how she thinks. I have a girlfriend that's going to keep me in check with my health and my eating. And she don't let me slide for nothing. She's going to check me. That's what I need. Right? My sister, my girl, she's my blood sister, my baby sister, Erica. She's going to check me <laughs> when I'm being a wimp and I'm not standing up for myself. 
I'm not asking. She'll say, you remember granddaddy told you to stand up and ask for what you want. You're not asking for what you want. So those are the people. They're my people. Right? And I can, I only have to be Mernice. I don't have to be anything else to them. And so that's what I teach my clients. You need that group of people. And don't allow your business or your company or your organization, whatever it is, to pull you away from the people that keep you grounded. Because they're going to be there for you when you're at the top of the mountain and they're going to be there for you when you're in the valleys. And that's what you need. Incredible. Um, what is an insurance agency? Uh, I feel like we... I, I, whenever I hear insurance agency, I'm thinking maybe life insurance, you know, uh, something of that nature. Yeah. So can you tell us what an insurance agency is and what they Great. do? Great. Yes. Well, there are two kinds. So let me say that. And no, they're not specifically just life insurance. There is an independent agency, which that individual agency can write insurance for multiple companies. So they'll write for Geico, Progressive. I'm just kind of throwing out ones I know you've seen. Liberty Mutual. So they can do multiple, right? And then there's the side that there's an exclusive side. Exclusives agents means that agencies means that they can only write insurance for one specific company. So that's your state farms. That's your all states. Um, you know, that's your American families, your nationwide. Well, nationwide is now kind of transitioned to independent now. But back in the day when I started, they were exclusive. So that meant I could only write business why, um, for that one company. Go ahead. You had a question? <clears throat> yeah. Why is it that there are certain ones that are exclusive and then there's certain ones that are independent? Like, is there advantages or disadvantages of doing one or another? There are. Good question. You're asking a lot of great questions. So um, exclusive agencies, the reason a lot of individuals choose, which I was an exclusive agent, a couple of reasons. I got to take advantage of that branding, well-known national branding. State Farm is a household name. All states are household name, right? So when I'm an independent, I'm just Joe Blow agency over here. So it's a little bit more difficult if you don't already have a huge um, following in your community or you don't already have a great marketing strategy to get to position yourself as an expert. It takes a little time to build momentum. Whereas if I open a State Farm office out here, on I don't know 285 and put a shingle out people are gonna pass by and see my State Farm office oh it's a State Farm office let me That's stop right. by so that was why a lot of individuals such as myself chose to go with a national brand rather than an independent brand however on the independent side you have a lot more freedom and individual mm. opportunity to really build your individual brand in hindsight I probably would have and should have gone independent because I'm an independent thinker. And I wanted to position myself as an expert, Mernice as the expert, not my company. See, you kind of got to, again, I'm back into that beige face because now as an exclusive, I just represent the brand. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it, it does. Um, Exclude, yeah, that's right. The state form or nationwide back then overpowers your own um, branding or you know who you are, what you bring to the table. Because I think anybody, oh, state form, they immediately get flooded with the power of that brand. Correct. Whereas an independent, it's a little more difficult. Not saying you can't do it, it's just a little more difficult. Now, the power of the internet has leveled the playing field. So let me say that. Um, now this is way back when, of course we still had internet, but we didn't have Facebook ads and all of the things that we, all these different resources and tools that we can use to really position ourselves as experts and brands. We didn't have that back then when I started back 2006. Um, and so it was a little more challenging and difficult. And let me say this too. My mentor said, go with the national brand. So that's what I did. I went with the national brand. I rejected the independent because I did have some independent um, companies reach out to me to come and start. Once you become licensed, let me say that your name goes in a database and then tons of people start calling and reaching out to you. <laughs> so and it's not just life insurance. So we sell home auto, what we call property and casualty, 
Um, so, you know, I do, of course, life insurance, but we can also do investments. Um, I had a series six and 63, so I could do annuities and that type of thing, which that was not my wheelhouse. That's not my expertise. But because I had the licensing, I could do that. Incredible. Now, that makes total sense. Uh, so we, we see here, you know, on the site, there's somebody, uh, Cynthia Scott, CSI Insurance Agency. And she talked about how working with you, her business has grown 20% year after year. Can you kind of uh, walk us through the roadmap or some of the strategies or techniques that you helped Cynthia implement or teach her that helped her grow her CSI Insurance Agency? Yeah. Well, I'll say one of the biggest things that I when I come in and assess where you are as an agency. So I don't I can't say that I necessarily have a blueprint. I know that's a bad word not to say you don't have a blueprint, but I don't have a blueprint, so to speak. So what I say is I have a far a five part um, process that I take my clients through. I when I assess your agency and I come in and I determine exactly where you are, I may say, OK, you're ready for step number three already. And here is where you're probably ready for the branding. When I met Cynthia, Cynthia had at that point already been an agent probably 11 years at that point. But she really didn't have the structure that she needed to scale her business. It was just going to grow. It was going to maintain, stay where it was. It wasn't going to grow. And she certainly wasn't going to be able to position herself as an expert the way she is. And by the way, she's brilliant. So let me say that. She's brilliant. Um, she just needed someone to come in and help her structure, get her foundational structure in place. So we had to create her operations guides and her manuals, develop her training systems, teach her about scalability, outsourcing, hiring, staff development, all of those tools. She was able to access and learn that through my five step process. Incredible. Yeah, but I just can't say I take this blueprint and I kind of stick it in your business that's not really how it works all of my processes are customized to that specific agency because every agency is different every individual is different that's right right that's right uh when you look at uh, a lot of insurance agencies or maybe a lot of the people that reach out to you what are the common roadblocks or maybe errors that they tend to exhibit that prevent them from you know having this success that they want mm -hmm. yeah for me my clients come to me when they are in a state of consistent overwhelm what I call chaos they're stressed out they're certainly not making the level of money that they desire and they really just don't know what the next step is going to be a lot of my clients reach out to me when they're thinking about quitting they want to throw in the towel mm. And I am oftentimes their last ditch effort. I'm going to reach out to Coach Mo. I've heard she does amazing things. And how do we do that? And one of the first things we work on is their mindset. A lot of us hasn't, we really haven't, a lot of the, my clients I find really haven't made the transition from employee to CEO. Mm. And so they're still operating as an employee in their business. So what they did, they just bought a job. That's it. They haven't invested the time or the resources to really build a thriving company. And so those are the things that my team and I, when we start working and um, really working with their clients, is we're assessing where they are. So, and the biggest part I find is the CEO, lack thereof of the CEO mindset, because we're still operating as an employee. We're doing all of the everything, you know, we're the janitor. We're the sales team. We're the marketing team. We do the Facebook ads. We're doing the social media. We're doing everything in the business. And you and I both know you that's not a scalable model. It's not a scalable model. <laughs> and you can't make money that way. You may make some successes and you're certainly you can get it, but you're going to be burned out very quickly. And that's another indicator for me. When someone comes to me and say, Coach Mo, I'm just burned out. That's how I know that they are an ideal client for what we do. Because we remove all of that stress and that overwhelm and that chaos off their table and off their plate and really bring in some calm to their business. What have you seen are the like the most successful insurance agencies that you worked with or the ones that, you know, maybe you observe? What are they doing that's allowing them to be 
very successful, maybe even in a market that's always evolving, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe the people that you worked with, you know, what are the um, habits or, you know, ways of doing things that they uh, do yeah. that allows them to uh, achieve? Um, and I'm thinking of one specific one. He's not actually one of my clients, but he is was became one of my mentors, another virtual mentor who I knew. He, he and I uh, attended the same church at one time. But he has become the master of the pivot. And what I mean by that is not he is not afraid to take risk and chances in growing and developing his business. Secondly, he understands the power of being the true CEO of his organization and not the employee. So he he's he hires, you know, he, he outsources all of the work. He finds the top talent, he pays them well and they ultimately run the business he instills great core values very clear about the core values and what they stand for as an organization and everybody in the organization must be in alignment with that and so i think that has really been the secret sauce to his success but he also has learned how to pivot um you know we all had to pivot here these past two two and a half three years because of the pandemic and had to really embrace working online. Insurance has always traditionally been 10 years behind in technology. So every one of my agents, in spite of the training and, and my encouraging them to be prepared to be an online business, which is what we teach now, none of them want to do it until the day the state shut down and said, oh, <laughs> we can't go to work. What are we gonna do? They didn't oh, wow. even have laptops. For their staff to go home Sheesh. so they were packing up a mat it was like chaos packing up desktop computers to take home because they hadn't even bought and you couldn't buy them because other companies had bought them up so best buy was sold out walmart was sold out nobody had them because they weren't prepared for the pivot the more successful agency he was already doing that he already had people working virtually and people working in the office because he already he saw it coming he heard And another thing I'll say, um, the more successful agents are the ones who are committed to lifelong learning. You just got to be committed to it. There's no way that I can build a company that I built and just learn one strategy. I read every day. I make a commitment to read several books a month. I am a lifelong learner and I always will be until God calls me home. So I know that you have to educate yourself and really know what's going on in your industry. I knew I wanted to be an expert in this industry and I positioned myself as such, but I prepared myself to be an expert. And I do that through education and educating myself. And so that is what I've saw him do as well. It's just, he's educated himself and he's become the go-to person. Incredible. Uh, as we start to wrap up, you know, one of the questions is, you know, what is next for, you know, Mernice Oliver? You know, what are you envisioning a future? You know, what do you kind of want to, you know, jump a couple years or maybe a couple months? What what, what that what does that future look like? For yeah, you? it's a great question. Again, I right now and it's funny, we're in the middle of a rebrand and repositioning what we're offering as an organization. Um, I am just a teacher at heart. That's what brings me joy. That's what lights me up is to be able to teach. Um, And so we have decided that we're going to launch um, our own training and development organization. And it's not specific to my niche. So I know that's, because sometimes niche can be be a good thing and sometimes it can be a bad thing. Um, But it's not going to be just specifically for women in the insurance industry, but rather for executive level individuals who are looking to build their own brand, or maybe they're looking to um, position themselves to teach what they know um, and really build a company around their own um, experiences, their own education. And how do they do that? That's where, that's kind of the next step that we're doing, um, that we've decided we're gonna offer um, for my organization, you know? Incredible. Uh, for those that are listening, that are tuned in, for the future listeners, and 
they're saying, hey, we want to get started with you, Mernice. We want. What is what's the best way for people to get started or to reach out or maybe you know like initiate conversation or sign up for your program or enroll into your courses? I would say first follow me everywhere, Mernice Oliver. I don't change my name. So on Instagram, on you know I'm uh, Mernice Oliver official, um, and I'm Coach Mernice Oliver on Facebook. But I also have, I need to find my little link tree link. I'm on, I do all of, all of my links are out there in terms of um, where I can be contacted. And it's Linktree backslash Mernice04. So very simple, Linktree backslash Mernice04. And the very first message is send me a message. And so you can send me a message or you can book um, a 15 minute consultation, business consultation. We'll talk a little bit about where you are and where you desire to be and whether or not it's a good fit for what we're offering um, right now in inside of my company. Incredible. And guys, gents, gals, we'll give you all direct access and links to Mernice. Um, if you're in that position whereby you need to break through, you need to have guidance and a mentor, make sure that you reach out to Mernice. Um, decades of experience you know being able to pivot being able to like she said a lifelong learner and that's something that you can never ever ever discount mm -hmm. so again Renice, we want to say you know thank you for you know the discipline the sacrifice the commitment everything to be of value you know not only to the people around you but the future as well thank you thank you thank you and i do want to invite women who are in the industry last thing if you'll allow me um, we do have an organization it is a leadership development organization specifically designed for women of color to build and grow thriving careers in the industry so if you're interested check us out nawinetwork.com n-a-a-w-i network.com we meet every month we have we host executive roundtables we offer leadership development training every quarter and this year i'm super excited we're bringing back our leadership conference in september so super excited stay tuned for details for that as well incredible you heard it there from her straight uh, Mernice, any last words, anything you want to get off your chest, anything you want to share with the people? Yeah, and it, it, this stood out to me as I was saying it to you. One of the biggest things I think, and I encourage women, men as well, all of us, is I want us all to remember is that, you know, success is for everybody. It's not just for the people who are special. It's not for those individuals who are chosen but it is simply just a decision. And I believe that every one of us is just a decision away from greatness. So take it as you will, and so it is. Incredible. Masterminders, until next time, make sure you tap in with Manice, show her love, follow her IG, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere she is. We're gonna give you guys direct access and links and Reach out to her. Send her a message. Start conversations. You never know what that other side will look like. Mernice, uh, thank you for coming on the show. We super appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Mastermind Your Life podcast with Tolu Owoyemi. We hope you enjoy. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And follow Tolu on Instagram at T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. Keep mastering your life and we'll see you here next time.